podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. The seagulls unfortunately soared and a table may have been kicked in my living room yesterday afternoon like a petulant <laughs> child, but I'm still here, <laughs> listeners, viewers. Welcome to the show. As always, my name is Rory. I'm joined by my, by my very good friend, Adam. And? And a special guest. We have um, Dev Bajwa. I hope I said that right, Bajwa. Yeah, perfect, yeah. Dev Bajwa, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, Manchester United fan, Milan fan, and author of The Conquerors. We are going to get onto that as well. Welcome to the show, Dev. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm much better than I was about a week ago, so I'm glad that we, because I know we tried to do one about two weeks before that, yeah, or the, yeah, the run-up yeah. to the first leg, and then I strategically made sure that, you know, we were in the spot <laughs> before coming on. But yeah, thanks for having me as well. I know we've spoken a lot on Twitter, but um, but yeah, uh, looking forward to the chat. Beautiful. Great to have you on. Adam, how are you doing, man? Good weekend, bad weekend? Yeah, good weekend. For once, Rory, I was able to get those shorts out, you know, and knock out those knees in the sunlight of the UK for the first time. It felt like summer. So uh, I'm sure you've done that many a time in Milan already. But yeah, it was nice to actually get them out and like get some air down there. So that's the yeah, most important It's important, thing. Yeah, It's a it sign of the times. It was beautiful, nonetheless. But more importantly, mate, how are you? Because you seem to have a good time in Milan. Yeah, I did actually meet friends of the show, a friend of the show, shout out, um, AFC Finners. Him and his friend Ewan were in Milan for the weekend. They've been in Como today visiting the stadium. The funny story, they were supposed to be in Milan for Inter Sassuolo, right? And they bought tickets and then they changed classic Serie A, FIGC. They changed the kickoff time. <laughs> so they were flying when the game was on. Um, but do not worry, I bought the tickets off Finley and sat there in his place, um, drank plenty of beer and had a great time. So thank you again, Finley. Nice. It's great to see you in Milan <laughs> and enjoyed an absolute goal fest. Um, did, it wasn't yeah. a great start, but it was good towards the end. But <laughs> listeners, viewers, we've got a lot to cover in this show. In the Premier League, we are, of course, going to talk about what is the death of the title race um, as <laughs> Arsenal whimper out um, against an incredible Brighton at home. We're going to be talking about Manchester United. We're going to be talking about Aston Villa against Spurs. We're going to be giving Big Big Sam some love. Mm. I think we're seeing a bit of an upturn there. Um, Adam, what are we going to be talking about in Serie A? There's plenty to cover as well. There is. I mean, if we start off with last night's result, which was Juventus versus Cremonese, uh, there's only one talking point, and that was the return of Paul Bogba. But it only lasted 21 minutes, so uh, I'm sure Dev will be enjoying those 21 minutes to reminisce about that. And then uh, we'll also talk about both Milan clubs. So, as you alluded to, Inter, fantastic result, it has to be said, although it was a bit of squeaky bum after about mm-hmm. half an hour to go of the last 30 um, but then also Milan and the Curva, we'll also talk about that. And uh, I'll allude to Lazio and Lecce because we're talking about Spezia. We're talking about the relegation fight at the bottom. It's definitely getting a bit more fascinating. Obviously, Hellas Verona kind of screwed their chances, but mm. Lecce kind of got an important point in Rome. It has to be said. It could have been all three, but we'll talk about this and more, Rory. Beautiful. Well, viewers, listeners, we are going to go for a very, very quick break and we will see you after this. And here we are. It's time for the Premier League review. Um, Adam, I'm going to let you decide which um, 
No, actually, Dev is the guest. Dev, where do you yeah. want to start off? Which game are we going to start with? Because uh, you've invited me, so I can't be rude and just go straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free, honestly. Um, no, I think let's let's talk about United only because it's going to be a quick one compared to mm-hmm. some of the others. So let's get through them. But I think, you know, it was a bit squeaky bum compared to how it had been for the past two months. I think at United, we sort of assumed, you know, with games against West Ham and the likes of, um, I think Fulham we've got later on and like Wolves, we expected quite a nice run-in compared mm-hmm. to what it could have been. Brighton was obviously a bit of a difficult one away from home, but, you know, to not only drop points, but to lose both away games at West Ham and at Brighton, one to a really, I mean, you say it's an unlucky last minute penalty. They deserve, they battered us the whole mm-hmm. game. That wasn't really an issue, but it was sort of now where we're going to see us tail off and sort of get out of top four, because that, even though at the beginning of the season, we would have snapped your hand off for where we are now, we still would have seen it as quite a massive downshift from where we were. But to A, get a clean sheet, and for David De Gea, of all people, to win Golden Glove for the season. Um, Just chef's kiss. I do, I've got a lot of time for that, to be honest. I is so stupid, and, and he's gonna—he's not gonna leave, but he'll probably be second string. I hope next season. But you know, to get that and to still have all the losses that we've had and not be have one of the best home forms in the mm. league. I think it's eight goals conceded in in um mm. in the league this year, which is pretty astonishing. One loss, I think, which was the first one against against Brighton. Um, mm. But yeah, I think we've <laughs> yeah, decent, we've had. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, we, we've had a brilliant season, to be honest. If we can sustain the top four charge and keep it, and then if we can uh, try and get something at the FA Cup, I've sort of resigned us to not getting it. But if we can, then that would be astonishing. But right now, Ten Hag has already laid the groundworks for next season. We've heard mm-hmm. some transfer talk coming up about um, Kim Min Jae from Napoli, of course. So mm-hmm. let's hope that that you know, materialises. Yeah. But if there was anything to come out of that, game uh, at the weekend it was start to finish we battered them I don't think yeah. they really had a shot on us um, I don't think they had a shot on target actually and we were by far the better team which mm. after two straight losses I would have bitten your hand off and I'm gonna bite your hand off so yeah we <laughs> we've done very well and we and I'm proud as a United fan mm. right now let's just hope we could stick to it to the end of the season really I think it is a good win. I don't know if you agree, Adam, because Wolves have been like, they've been inconsistent, but they've been improving a lot since Lopetegui mm-hmm. came in. Like we've we've complimented them on how they replaced yeah. him pre-World Cup, gave him that time on the training field. And it has absolutely saved because it looked like they were going down. Um, so I think it is a big win for United. Um, how did you feel about it, Adam? Like, do, do you think United will get top four? I'm going to ask you a question, Dev, in a minute. I've got one question to ask, but what do you think, Adam, about United's chances? I would have said before this match, I kind of fancy Liverpool because of the momentum mm-hmm. they've got at the moment. And But at the same time, you kind of start to see Newcastle falter a bit as well. So they're not being the consistent selves as they demonstrated the last few games as well. So up until that Arsenal game where they kind of lost their kind of mentality in terms of the way they've been approaching games. Certainly it feels like Eddie Howe's turned the other way, but focusing on United, it's weird, isn't it? You just don't know which side's going to turn mm-hmm. up sometimes. And I have to say, I agree with Dev on this one. I thought they were really good. And if it wasn't for Daniel Bensley, he kind of frustrated Man United on numerous occasions with the amount of saves he pulled out. I mean, Mm. this is a guy that was playing his trade in the championship prior to this. So Mm. for him to come out and kind of demonstrate this kind of performance was incredible. Um, Mm. But like Dev said, it wasn't really much of a game because Wolves kind of handed it on the plate at times. They made it so easy and 
the likes of Ruben Neves as well, like he kind of was making so many mistakes. It's not the kind of characteristic kind of Wolves side that we've been used to seeing mm-hmm. in the last few games. So, yeah, I think that that's the side that I think was kind of a nice kind of game for Man United to have, especially with the run up, as they've alluded to. I think also injuries was played a part. So, you know, it's getting confidence in the players like Martial. I know we... We well, don't this really is who my question is going to be about, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you ask that question now. Go on, no, I feel that that's the right so, side. Obviously, it was put on a plate for Martial, right? It was very nice work from Anthony to give it to him. But do you think that Eric can actually coach Martial into the striker that you need him to be? Or do you expect him to leave this summer? I find him one of the most confusing footballers of all time, Anthony Martial. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's done personally. If mm. if I was Eric, I would I would get rid of Anthony Martial. It it was only because there's a few quotes that I'd seen recently which kind of changed my mind on him and it was, you know, we we kind of can't as United fans we we seem to keep remembering the very first Martial that came which is completely different to the one now. If anything, the one now is probably better technically. He's probably got more strength about him. His hold-up plays better. His link-up plays better. He's already got a few assists this season, some key ones as well. So he has, you know, he's not been a bad player by by any stretch of the imagination. But after six years at United, for us to still be like, mm. we're not sure about yeah. our central number he? nine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you, yeah. can't, you can't ignore it. And, you know, there's a couple of years where I'll forgive because of injuries and because of... Um, you know, he switched to the left when we mm-hmm. gave him the number 11 and we brought him back after I think Ibra left. So, you know, there's been a lot of change with him, but I'm sure about Rashford. I'm sure about mm-hmm. even Anthony. I'm sure about Sancho even, because I think he needs to step up. But I think there's a player there. But Martial, I'm so unsure. And after six years, 50 odd million quid and all that promise, I just yeah. think he's going to have to go down as a good player because he, he has, you look at his figures, they're good. He's, he's mm-hmm. a good striker, but... I think for where we need to be, either demote him to a second string striker, which can you do that when he wears the number nine? I don't know. But we need to get, I would go for two young strikers rather than one big one because mm. I think we need to future-proof the squad. But looking at Martial's injury record this year and his performances when we actually need him, it, yeah, it's not been good enough. And I think Tenag knows that. Like he's mm. he's very good at phasing players out. He's we have an eighty million quid captain that he doesn't play. Even yeah, with. that's very true. That's like very true. It, yeah, like yeah. With, um, you know, Varane and Martinez out for for the long stretch, and he played Luke Shaw there instead of Maguire, and we yeah, did really yeah. well. So he's he, and he people think the Ronaldo thing was ages ago. That was this season, and it feels like it was so long ago. But he's dealt he's dealt with a lot, and I think Tenag is one of them. He'll happily look at what's going on and. If the takeover stuff is to be believed, then of course mm. we can move forward as a club. But as of right now, I don't think Martial fits into our long-term plan. No. Yeah, I I, I kind of got that feeling. I still I'm not sure what type of player he is or what <laughs> he yeah, just what he is. But it was kind of nice to see him back on the score sheet and remind, yeah. oh yeah, he's still there. Good work. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I've delayed the inevitable for long enough. Maybe it's time to talk about Arsenal. I don't know. Is it time to talk about Arsenal now, Adam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balls. Do it. That was horrible. Honestly, <laughs> that was just horrible. Um, I don't know what was worse, watching the game or listening to Gary Neville's commentary. I'm still trying to decide which one was worse. Um, I, obviously, Brighton were the much better team. They were the much better team. They dominated the ball. Um, we did not show up. I still think first half, we had the better chances. I was watching the first half, and I think we were we gave away possession too much and just allowed them Mm -hmm. to have the ball, but we did have the better chances. I thought, okay, we can maybe sneak out of here with something. 
Now, the first goal, I'm really pissed off at Kivior. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm really pissed off at Kivior. I do think it was a foul, but I also think as a centre-back, you've got yeah. to be standing you up and be continue and, and play, to play there. And that just kind of opened the floodgates then. And then the second and third goal, both of them, we just gifted to them. It was mm-hmm. so, so frustrating. Yeah. Like, Brighton earned, they deserved the win, but I don't know if they earned it. Does that make sense? I feel mm-hmm. like we kind of still handed it to them. Um, the second goal, Trossard, just yeah, no giving it straight to the Brighton player. And then the third one, our heads were down, we were gone. But I think the turning point of this actually wasn't really the players. It was the, the substitutions that Arteta made. I think mm-hmm. taking off Xhaka and Jorginho at the same time is such a ballsy, like balls to the wall, let's just attack move that we lost all, we lost what little control we had in the midfield at that point. And then Brighton, like Caicedo was just unstoppable. He's mm, just incredible. Yeah. Like, but the second we took Xhaka and Jorginho off, I thought the game was done. So I think um, Arteta has apologised to the fans and said, you know, this isn't good enough. Um, it's our fault. But I think it wasn't just the players on the pitch. He kind of holds a bit of this L. Um, I'm going to go to you, Dev, first. And I'll go to you, Adam. Uh, um, Dev, what did you did you enjoy watching Arsenal? Did you enjoy that? Uh, it's part all right of me, to say yeah. yeah, by the way. Yeah, part of me. It, <laughs> yeah. it was more just because, and and this is why I don't want to generalise and say Arsenal fans think this, Arsenal fans mm-hmm. think that, because I have a very small bubble on Twitter that tell me, what, mm-hmm. and all my friends that inform my opinion of <laughs> Arsenal fans, which isn't, which isn't fair. But I do think that there was an element of humbling about yeah. it. It was mm-hmm. a bit, and I kind of want to, just make it clear that yes at the beginning of the season if you'd have said you would you chase Man City right to the end and you know nearly go on to win it you'd say that was a great season but I look at it and I think you know everyone's talking about injuries and things I try I can't have the injury talk when I'm a United fan and we've dealt with Mm. what we've had to deal with and I think you know you've lost some key players and, and I understand that I think what was really weird about it for me is that there was just the one thing I I aligned Arsenal with was fight and a really Mm -hmm. good mentality and a really good this I don't think you have many leaders in the team I can't I don't think you can call a Zinchenko or a Saliba a leader they've only done it for one season that Mm -hmm. that doesn't make you a leader Shaka is the type of player you look up to but he throws the captain's armband down and I still haven't gotten over that so Yeah, 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 yeah I do think there was there's bits of it where you just sort of gave up and that was disappointing to see because I don't Mm. think any Premier League footballer should give up ever and Mm -hmm. United have done it a few times this season even so I was a bit disappointed with that but it was a bit a part of me that was like okay you kind of have to accept that when you're on top of the league for over 200 days and you are the front runners and you've got nothing I think the fact you've got nothing else on and nothing else to play and then you let you let it slip it's a tough one to swallow because I've done it like in 2012 with the Aguero moment we should have won that mm-hmm. season yeah, um, yeah. There's a few yeah. times where we should have won it and we didn't um Newcastle slipped up in the 90s and we came on and won that but there's loads of elements of it but you kind of just have to accept the other this is probably statistically the worst one and it's a hard one to take but it's it's one that can is football. It happens, yeah. and it's a choke. I don't like the term "bottling it." I think I think it's a bit of an unfair phrase, but it is a choke. You know, you got to the end, you stumbled, and it's human. But you got you've got some good foundations to lean on for next season, mm-hmm. and you got the right manager, you got the right backroom staff, you've got the right um, sort of 
young players as well that are just going to grow. So mm-hmm. provided you can get through this bit with a good summer, I think you're in a good place. But focus on the Champions League now. It's the first time in six years you've been there. So yeah, it feels... And enjoy that. Like, yeah, I tell you what, watching Man City, Real Madrid, I was absolutely crapping myself. I was like, yeah. <laughs> we're not in the Europa League anymore. We've got to play Champions League football. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think most of what you said there was fairly um, fair. I think the injuries, we have had seven first-team players out over sustained periods across the season. I think we've only played our first 11 like a handful of times, which has made a difference. But I think the only injuries we can really point to and say that made a difference are Zinchenko and Saliba. Like Gabriel Jesus was out and we continued and we're still top. Like he didn't make that big a difference. I think Zinchenko yesterday, we saw that we were missing him. I think Tierney's better defensively, but we just lose all control in the midfield. And Saliba... I love Kivior, but Saliba for me is one of the best centre backs in in one of the best young centre backs in world football. Of course, you can't replace yep. him; like it's impossible to replace him. So I think injuries have had their part, but I think you're right. The I've been disappointed by how some of the older players have reacted, um, yep. and I think the fact that Erdegaard has become the leader at yep. 23 says a lot about him, but says a lot about some of the players that are around him yep. as well. So I think it's like, really where was Partey? Like I, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I, see him for the last four five weeks really because and he's, he's well he's been absolutely he, atrocious for me yeah, he bad. shouldn't have even he shouldn't have even been in the team from the first game of the season anyway yeah. i would have just suspended him and had him gone no interest in the bloke it's annoyed me that I we've agree, played in yeah. the whole season adam will tell you i've run yeah. about it a few times good. that we've yeah, good, resorted good. to playing him um yeah. i i did have a theory that it was karma that his form <laughs> disappeared the second it mattered <laughs> um but i'm glad he's not been in the team and i wouldn't Fair enough, i yeah. hope i think He's going to be sold maybe to Turkey this year. I can see him getting oh, shipped off somewhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm glad the bloke's not yeah. about. But we do, mm. Brighton fans are going to be screaming because we have just given them zero credit. And Adam, I'm going to go for you. How mm. impressed were you with Brighton? And just Roberto De Zerbi, we keep banging the drum on this part, mm-hmm. but he is a, like one, again, one of the most exciting young coaches in world football at the moment. How impressed are you of how well drilled he's got that team? Yeah, and I, I think the difference on this game was they were just a bit more clinical. They were just, you know, I think what we've been used to is like exciting football with De Zerbi and the way they kind of are well drilled. But I think the difference in this particular game was how they took their chances. They weren't necessarily toying with you as much. You know, they kept a lot of the possession, but they weren't necessarily doing too much or anything different or extravagant in that style of football. It was more that they took their chances when they needed to, as we allude to on the first one, Kivo should do better. But then in the second and third goals, they were just kind of signs of like, how much better they are getting at that kind of final mm-hmm. third. And that's something that De Zerbi is getting the most out of those attacking style players. We talked about the likes of Mitoma and Solly March and, you know, De Zerbi set them a target of like, you need to contribute at least 10 goals. And they hadn't scored that in this time at like Brighton. So that <laughs> yeah. kind of shows you the story of De Zerbi. But I think they've got really solid foundation. I mean, it'll be interesting what happens with Levi Colwell as well, because obviously mm-hmm. he's supposed to go back to Chelsea do Chelsea bring him back? I mean, they sh- they would be stupid not to like keep him there, to be fair, based on his form. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so many promising signs about Brighton. I mean, t- I think I saw a tweet from, um, I, thought, I think it's Kieran Maguire, the man that does the mm. price of football. And he talks about the fact if you told them that they would go to Liverpool and beat them twice this season, Arsenal twice, etc., 
you know they would bitten in your head off like that isn't going to be achieved quite easily and they've done it they've gone out of mm-hmm. their way and that's under two managers and that's the other thing you know they've made it seem so seamless it's not about the managers necessarily it's about the setup that they've got at the club so they do a fantastic job tony bloom you know he's put the foundations there so it doesn't matter who kind of goes even when it comes to players you know, we forget about Moepo. He was supposed to yeah, be yeah, this yeah. incredible player for this season. Unfortunately, he had to retire, but they've yeah. made it look so seamless. And then you've got this new Italian kid, Bonetti. Uh, he looks incredible already from that appearance against Nottingham Forest. So I'm really excited about like Brighton next season. I'm just hoping they mm-hmm. can get a bit more of a clinical striker, whether that be even Ferguson or whether that's Undav, I don't know. I think there's still a few question marks about Undav, but I like his uh, song that the Brighton fans chant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, full of praise for Brighton and Deserby. We know about Deserby. So, um, yeah. yeah, long may it continue. I think whoever snaps him up is in for a treat because I think yeah. that next step is where he'll try and get that kind of Pochettino kind of vibes. Maybe if he gets a chance, I think he could do some miraculous stuff. So wow. yeah, every paper in Italy at the moment is linking mm. him to the Milan job. <laughs> like yeah. every club, yeah. every club in Italy that's got managerial problems now. It's like, does be anybody yeah. want to be? He's getting linked everywhere. It's kind of understandable, but even players like Inciso just turns up and just bags against yeah. Liverpool and Arsenal. Like, where do you keep finding these people? I don't understand. Yeah. It's infuriating. Dev, how much have you enjoyed Brighton this season? I think they've definitely been the story of the season, right? Yeah, I would say they're the best run club in the top leagues in Europe because mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think there's any other team that I can look at in the Premier League. Maybe Brentford. I think if we look further afield. Can we say Napoli or are they just running on form? I don't know. It's difficult. Mm. But I think with um, yeah, with them, it is a case of you know exactly who's there to do what job, whether that's on the pitch or off it. And you can't say that about most top clubs. I can't even say that about Arsenal, about who necessarily says yes or no. And they've been one of the best teams this year. And City, you can tell, obviously, you know, Guardiola and um, they've got the ex-Barcelona tiki-taka lot in the back room. But no one really knows who pulls the trigger on transfers. But there, you know exactly who it is. And even though they lost Dan Ashworth, I believe his name was, they lost him to mm. uh, Newcastle, their sports and directs. Everyone thought that all of the good stuff about Brighton would kind of go to Newcastle. But actually, Newcastle have recruited well, as you'd expect mm. them to. And they've they've been a bit of a story themselves. But you expect it with the money. And yet, Brighton, for I'd, if I was smart and if I was in, in any club that had good finances about them, I would just look at what Brighton are doing and copy them in the next chance. Yeah, if they're linked definitely. with anyone, I would just give them straight away. And I look at United and I think, I we've got about five or six top young players coming through now. I would say, I would call up Deserve and be like, do you want Palistri on loan? Do you want this person on loan? Like, <laughs> develop our players. But then we were talking just then about strikers. They've already signed or confirmed Joao Pedro, haven't they, for 30 odd yes. million from, from, yeah, from Watford. And yeah. he's, I've wanted him for about three years. I think he's a top quality mm. striker. And we'll, and I say, you know, we'll see in the Prem. He'll he'll do well now because he's at Brighton. So we'll mm-hmm. see how good he is. But I just think, yeah, they they are the best run club, arguably in the world, definitely in the league. And if mm-hmm. anyone has any nous about them, they would quite respectfully copy what they're doing because it's mm-hmm. the model for success. And if they did spend more, and if they did it over a certain time. Europe could only just be the beginning. And I really hope mm-hmm. they make it. I think they deserve to make Europe this year. And they're just a nice club. So more power yeah. to them, really. Just really <laughs> yeah, nice no, club. exactly. Really exactly. likeable. 
Yeah, and it, they do play incredible football. And any Brighton mm. game, I will sit and watch and enjoy. Yeah, so I think, here, yeah, yeah, get get them in the Europa League, get them in the Conference League. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Um, we do have a question in from Mon Sportive. Hello, boys. Saying question, guys, does Deserbi's success in the Premier League come as a surprise? Um, Adam, I'm going to let you give your view first before I answer. What do we think? Are you surprised by his success? Uh, not surprised at how well he's adapted to it because I think he was going to, you know, put his spin on it, but there's already a good foundation. They obviously started off quite well under Potter um, and a lot of Brighton fans allude to the fact that actually Potter didn't do too much, to be mm-hmm. fair. It was the players that did it at the, ultimately at the end of the day, but he certainly got them a bit more clinical in that final third. I feel like they've got a re- really good blend. We're talking about the players, the quality and depth. Not surprised. I think it'll be interesting coming into the summer where... We're talking about the likes of McAllister, Casada might move on. So it'll be interesting to see what type of player he then brings in and then could fill in that gap. I mean, I've heard a lot of rumours about the likes of um, James Milner, for example, coming in. Yeah, to do that's Swan Song, basically done now, I think. Right? It feels yeah, like yeah. it. So it feels like he's going to put a bit of blend of experience alongside maybe some younger heads. Um, I know mm-hmm. about the Paul Kasper Koslowski, who they bought off mm-hmm. the back of the last Euros and... He's a player that obviously takes an interest for me because of the Polish heritage and I look forward to seeing him again in the Premier League. Um, But that's just kind of their model. They seem to grab these talents without anyone really noticing about them and then just Mm. kind of bring them into the squad and they seem to just fit in nicely. So, Mm. yeah, it would be fascinating to see how De Zerbi kind of brings his own spin on it because I think largely a lot of that's been influenced by the structure. But whether De Zerbi gets his own twist will be the big thing. So looking ahead... I'm fascinated by that, but yeah, not surprised by how well the Zerbi's kind of adapted to this Brighton side. No, well, I think if you look at his Sassuolo team and how well he did with Sassuolo, who are kind of, they're a club that also bring in young players, yeah. develop them, sell them on. It's kind of a similar, not to the same yeah. degree of success, arguably, but it's the same kind of ethos and philosophy, mm. play attractive football. He got two eighth place finishes and an 11th place yeah. finish with Sassuolo. That's also straight out of Serie B, I think, as well. And it was it one was, of the yeah. best performances from a Serie B team in Serie A so it doesn't surprise me because they are two very similar clubs and he is a very he's obviously a very good coach both defensively and offensively my only request is that he brings Bernardi to the Premier League I just want him <laughs> no. to buy Bernardi from Sassuolo I want to see him in the Premier League for two years I reckon he'd absolutely kill it um but Dev have you been surprised by Deserbi? Oh, I mean, I've watched, weirdly, the one game that, the first ever game I watched at San Siro was AC Milan versus Sassuolo oh, nice. a few years back. <laughs> and looking back, it was Deserbi who was the manager. And I, I watched it and I thought it was a very, it was a boring game. It was nil-nil. Like, I mm. think um, Sassuolo had a goal ruled out by um, by VAR. But, um, but I remember watching it and I just thought, I couldn't tell which player was playing in what position. And that was a bit of a confusing thing for me I didn't know if it was a right back getting forward or the right winger covering like there was a they're very fluid in their mm-hmm. like in their counter-attack in particular so I'm I am surprised because I just didn't expect someone to come in I didn't know that much about him and mm-hmm. I didn't expect someone relatively unknown to come to the Premier League with Brighton and vouch for Europe like I didn't mm-hmm. expect that um but then Brighton I don't expect them to get it wrong so no. at the same time I was like them going for someone like that when they were linked with big names or bigger names. I know um, Ollie was being tagged with the job at the time and I just thought, (laughs) you know, that would have been a good shout. But then they come and get this guy who just bought into it properly and they bought Mm -hmm. into him, which was was brilliant to see. And then I didn't think they'd 
be I didn't think they'd miss any of their their big sales like Cucurella. I didn't I didn't yeah. rate him that that yeah. much. I didn't think he would be that much of a miss. But losing Mwepu for me was I thought was going to be a big mental drain mm-hmm. on them to like to have a friend lose him to retirement and then see where that will go because we've seen what what happens when stuff like that hits the fan. Like we remember Eduardo at Arsenal. I can yeah, think yeah, yeah. That. I can mm. think of quite a few at United. So so that I'm surprised with. But with him, I'm yeah. Long may it continue, like I say, but I didn't expect mm-hmm. it to be as good as as what he is. But it's been brilliant to watch. Like I say, they're like my second team in the Prem because they're just brilliant to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I love them. But yeah, it was a surprise. It was a, it was a big surprise for me. Absolutely love it. Just keep going, deserve it. Keep going, deserve it. Don't yeah. lose. Don't leave for the big job just yet. You got a few no, years at Brighton. Yet, I hope. Yet. A few years left. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself, um, and we're gonna go to Villa Park. Um, Aston Villa <laughs> 2, Spurs 1. Um, Harry Kane now holds a record for the most pointless goals scored in the Premier League as he gets another consolation. Um, absolutely played off the park here, I think, yeah. by uh, by Villa. Again, Unai Emery continues to impress. Um, another manager that I think people were surprised, are now surprised mm-hmm. by how well yeah. he's done coming in mid-season. Um, but I think Aston Villa were absolutely ruthless here and rampant. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere down at Villa Park looks incredible. Uh, Jacob Ramsey getting another goal. Um, yeah. And yeah, another team throwing their hat into the Euro- European um, race. Dev, I'm going to go to you first. Um, do you think Villa can make it? And what did you think of their performance in this game? Yeah, I think for, well, especially under Gerard, but definitely at the beginning of the season, they underplayed. They mm-hmm. they didn't really play at the level that they should have been because their squad has always been capable of what Emery has coaxed out of them. I didn't expect him to come in and it to flip on its head so quickly. And I believe it flipped when they battered us 3-1 at Villa mm-hmm. Park as well. So I can't really talk about, about Villa. I know we've beaten them since, but, you know, you've got a World Cup winning goalkeeper. You've got, like... Coutinho doesn't play. God, I can't believe mm. he doesn't play. But then you've got Buendia, you've got Ollie Watkins, solid Prem striker, Leon Bailey, brilliant Bundesliga winger. Like you, mm. you do have some good um, building blocks there. So, and Emery just seems to have a knack of building or getting the most out of the team that he's got. He's not really a squad builder. He's, he wasn't at Villarreal. Arsenal was a bit of a teething problem with him at Arsenal. Yeah. But like mm. there were always he could always bring the most out of certain players. And I think you could see with Jacob Ramsey, you've got a young kid who is just free and he's just letting him be free. We don't Mm -hmm. know what his best position is. I don't even think he knows what his best position is, which is always (laughs) a bit of a fun one to have. But um, Ollie Watkins, I think this year, I can't remember what the stretch was, maybe seven or eight games scoring Mm. consecutively. Mm. But him, his movement, his intelligence, I just think you've now got... The building blocks of a very very kind of thoughtful squad at Villa mm-hmm. and I do want to reserve my judgment until I see him in a transfer window that's the one thing I do want to see because I think that's where we've seen him fall off in the yeah. Premier League before and we need to see where he if if they get to Europe I have no problem that Villa would do well because mm-hmm. I of all people should know having lost a 20-man <laughs> shootout that he's very good in Europe so he, he will do well but I think yeah we need to wait for him to get a transfer window and see where he goes but Villa had perennially played under where they should have been I think we're mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. seeing where they should be now so it's expected with the recruitment they made in the summer I think that yeah. I put them in one of the best windows of mm-hmm. the transfer window really I know Diego Carlos got injured but they they brought some really good players in and um yeah now we're seeing the best of them so that doesn't surprise me but um I still would vote 
Brighton to get mm. into Europe ahead of Aston Villa. I still because Aston Villa still got Liverpool, the bit of a tougher yeah. running. I know Brighton technically got Man City, but if they win the league by then and they've got a Champions League final, who knows? You know, there's yeah, all that yeah. to play into. But uh, yeah, they've been good, but. I expect it. I expected him more from Villa than I did from Brighton, I have to say. Nice. Yeah, it is great to see them doing so well. And I think like even players like John McGinn looks reborn mm. in midfield. He looks like the John McGinn that first came into the Premier League. I think yeah. Kamara in midfield is a great player. Yeah. They've Douglas got a lot. Louise of, was very yeah, good as well. Yeah, Douglas, mm. I, I wish Arsenal had yeah. bought him, honestly. But yeah, I think, and they've been linked with Pau Torres. I think mm. the first signing that yeah. um, Emery's looking at making, and if they got, I think I put it on our Twitter, but if they had Pau Torres and Diego Carlos as centre-backs, I think that's a pretty good partnership. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that is some good, some very good building blocks. Um, but Adam, we're going to talk Spurs. Um, <laughs> completely toothless again. Um, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't speak about them this week without sounding smug or sour. So I'm going to let you talk <laughs> about Spurs. What was your impression of their performance? I don't know if there's any words to describe like what Spurs are at the moment because they just seem lost. They seem mm. really lost. It's like the analogy that I keep on giving, which is they're still in that escape room, but they can't escape it. Basically, they just don't know what to do with this squad. And I don't know where you go. Even Ryan Mason's like, he's just there for caretaker sake. He's not mm. there to kind of lead it. So it's just more around if you talk about philosophies we talked about how well brighton are run as a club you you got the opposite with spurs you got daniel levy doesn't know what to do you've got certain players that are going into the last year of their contracts like harry kane for example that's going to be quite messy whether that be this summer or next summer I, I just just lost I, I don't know what you do with this squad i mean i was speaking to a friend about it and it's like do they just go back to Graham Potter and ask him if he would consider it? Because it feels like they're going down that list again, doesn't it? 20 managers deep, yeah. we might get Nuno Gomez back. I don't know. It'd be horrendous. But, I mean, in terms of performance, they just looks. I mean, I know they pressured, they had their opportunities. You know, Kane should have possibly scored a few more. You know, mm. he had that one-on-one -on -one chance where it was Hoiberg put the pressure on. I think it was concert at the time, got the ball and, you know, Kane should do better. But uh, if it wasn't for Kane diving and getting that penalty, I don't know if they actually get anything yeah. out of this match. Mm. This is the thing. Um, just they look so bad at the back as well, just just defensively. I mean, there's rumours that Lloris is going to Saudi Arabia already. So, um <laughs> It's just, I'd, I'd it's just a car be, crash of a club, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd like not to sound rude, but it probably will sound rude. I'd be really sad if I was a Spurs fan at the minute, just because everything, <laughs> everything is going always wrong. Always like that. It's, I, but I've because I look at when United had Ranjik, and I thought this is the worst that it could possibly be. You'd always <laughs> knew we were United, and we straight away got Ten Hag, and we were like, yeah. we've, we're yeah, sorting we're it out. This out. season's, yeah. A, yeah, this season's a rundown. Sorry, just deal with it for now and then we'll get Ranjik I and promise we'll get, it'll um, get better yeah. and it'll be fine and then Ten Hag has done an incredible job but it's if I was at a club that is probably got the best stadium in, in the UK mm -hmm. and it's, it's definitely I wouldn't call them a big club really I wouldn't call Spurs no. a big club but I think no. they're a good sized club they're not yeah. big but I think if I was at a decent sized club with a decent name some very good players have played for them in, in their lifetime are very good players and they had to go down a list and keep on getting publicly rejected by every good manager on the market, sometimes twice. Like I yeah. think this is the third time Nagelsmann has said no. And <laughs> then you've got then you've got Levy who won't put 
the right money behind the right manager. He keeps mm-hmm. on going down the wrong path. And then you've got Kane probably leaving on a free in a year because he's not going to sign an extension. You've got Lorries, probably the worst keeper in the league for the last two seasons, going to Saudi. They haven't got a backup. Then you've got two of the worst right backs in the league, probably the worst left back. Centre back, I don't know what the pairing is. Romero's overrated. No yeah. midfield. Son's misfiring and Kulazewski looks like he wants to leave as well. <laughs> He's linked mm-hmm. with Milan. Yep. Like, yep. I would just be, I wouldn't know what to think of it. And it is really, because I think what they need, and if they did it, I think they'd be successful, is a reset. Just yep. go down a philosophy, mm-hmm. back a manager and, and move on. Do an, do an Arteta at Arsenal and move mm-hmm. on, yep. even if it yep. takes two to three years. Because you guys went, what, eighth, fifth, fifth, and then second? Like, yeah. it, it takes yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... If I was a Spurs fan, I'd want that. But knowing Levy, he won't give them that. Mm-hmm. And that's really yeah. sad because mm-hmm. a, a club, even though I don't like them per se, but I wouldn't want a club to be run in a terrible way because there are people who put their heart and souls into this yeah. club. But it's just it purely for vanity's sake, this guy thinks that his wrong decisions are always right and he needs to be told otherwise, but he doesn't believe it. And yeah, I'd, I'd feel really sad if I were there <laughs> because it is. <laughs> I would too. I would. Yeah. Too. It's, it's it's something that just I know Arsenal fans always make the joke about it, but it's just like, well, it, it could always be worse. You could be Spurs. <laughs> like yeah. it could always yeah. be worse. Only Spurs. It could <laughs> always always be worse. Um, but yeah, it just feels like at the minute, if Kane doesn't do anything, nobody does anything. And I just think that guy, that man, must be tired of just pushing that rock up that hill mm. endlessly. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. if he does nothing, the club, the team does nothing. And you're right. Like even Kulusevski did look disinterested. Yeah. Um, a lot of the players did but we're going to leave that one there for now and we're going to very quickly go down to the bottom of the league where Leeds were conceding a lot of goals now they've not won yet but they have kind of tightened up at the back only conceding two to Man City and now shooting themselves in the foot twice giving away two penalties to Newcastle which is still very Leeds but I think a much improved performance. Adam, what did you think of Leeds' performance here? We're going to talk about Bamford as well, but what did you think of Leeds', <laughs> Leeds performance? Yeah, I was going to allude to him. But yeah, it seems like a bit more of a solid foundation. They kind of understood where they went wrong in the last game against Man City. You could see like Sam pulling his hair out a few times in that match. And this time it seems a bit more sure. They seem to understand where they've got to go. And certainly you seem to get a bit more kind of considered approach in terms of attack as well. Because, I mean, we associate Sam Allardyce be hoofball, where's Kevin Davis, get the knockdowns and then just kind of go on to that. But he doesn't have that luxury to play with now. So he's got to work with the players there. And they did quite admirably, I feel. Um, they put it into Newcastle's areas where they didn't expect it, I suppose, at mm-hmm. times as well. Um, and I think they've got a good set of players. That's the thing with Leeds. They just need just a bit more guidance, a bit more kind of tightening up at the back. And it seems for an extent, I mean, if you take away those two penalties, actually it wasn't much in the way of Newcastle attacks, was there really? So if it wasn't for that, then they could have got away with maybe more than just a point. But yeah, Junior Furpo, I don't know what the hell that kid was doing, basically. I mean, he gets a penalty at one end, then concedes and then does something really stupid at the end. So, I mean that guy it's unfortunate isn't it but i mean this is the problem of least they haven't got enough games it's the highest handball i've ever seen in my life yeah, <laughs> like he's really is so, up, so up in the air i don't know what he's doing like yeah no i'm not referring to how unfortunate that is i'm just oh, unfortunate sorry. that they've got <laughs> that's more to the point yeah. But yeah no i mean that that's the thing so if it wasn't for that 
But like I alluded to, there's not enough games now. They're going mm, into yeah, this yeah. really tight. They're going to need to at least get points now. We're not talking just draws. We're talking about actual wins because, I mean, it's getting so tight at that bottom. And I appreciate as we speak right now, Leicester City are losing 2-0 to Liverpool. Mm. So that gives them a bit more breathing space. But you kind of think now Everton and Nottingham Forest have got the edge over them. So it's massive. It's going to go by game by game basis, isn't it now? And I'm looking at the next two fixtures so they're way to West Ham and then last day of the season at home to Spurs so big big ask <laughs> yeah, three points there's yeah. <laughs> yeah. guaranteed three points there that's for sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the key moment in this game as well I think was Patrick Bamford right when mm. he stepped up to take that penalty nobody in the standing nobody in the stadium including <laughs> Patrick Bamford thought he was going to score that penalty he looked I've never seen a man look less confident um Dev, do you think the greatest achievement of Bielsa's um, career is getting Patrick Bamford an England cap? Because I think that might be <laughs> the greatest achievement of his career. Yeah, I mean, discovering Messi at Newell's old boys, <laughs> that, that pales in, in, in significance. Uh, but I, yeah, Leeds are a funny one because one day they can look incredible, the next day they mm. look horrible. I, I don't think there's anyone that has as much of a dichotomy as, mm. as Leeds do there. They're really, really poor. But I, I think... Even if in the short term, let's say they get out and they somehow um, are able to uh, stay in the league, I think the issue that they're going to have is they've brought, they've done something which has ostracised quite a lot of their good players. Mm-hmm. So they brought Grazia in, who is naturally a very defensive coach, and he and he was bad at it. And then they brought in <laughs> Sam Allardyce, who I think it was Doogie Critchley from. Um, He's on Football Daily and he's been on Sky yeah. a few times. And he, he made a really good point where Sam started saying all of these out horrible things in the media saying, you know, I'm just as good as Pep and Arteta yeah, and yeah. all these idiotic things. It was a time for Leeds to actually be under the radar and try and coax something out of them like he'd done at Blackburn and Newcastle for the first time and with Bolton. Like that was a time to do that. And instead he chose that moment to bring all of the attention onto Leeds and kind mm-hmm. of everyone wanting Leeds to get shown up. So when they didn't against Man City, I think they put they gave a good account of themselves mm. against against City. I think it was two one in the end with the, the yeah, last kind of squeaky yeah. bum moments. But I think in the last couple of games, you can see that he's favorite favoriting players not based on anything other than the experience they have on their CV. And yeah. Joel Robles, as as much as I I don't want to talk ill of a of a goalkeeper, the guy he has no demonstrated experience of actually being a good goalkeeper yeah he's always been a number two everywhere and you think that's good enough to be a number one i don't i don't understand that Mm. why not get your arm around melia and say look we back you we believe in you keep Mm. doing your thing go forward why not put the same arm around nonto and the same arm around some of your other players and instead you go and say no jack harrison you're my man you need to do everything and bamford just chest it and go left don't do anything else give it a run if you can and then we'll see but he's not Bamford's not a Premier League quality striker I think we can all accept that yeah, and he yeah, is yeah. he's found his level and it's it's still a good level yeah. but it's not Premier League and so I just think the issue is now they're going to go into a transfer window where if they get relegated they'll sell off all their big players anyway mm-hmm. but if they stay in the league why would Nonto who's been linked with some very big clubs why yeah. would he and some of their other like Lorente and Melier why would they all stay if they're just mm-hmm. going to be under a manager who wants 
and Josh Townsend until the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just think it's they've they've done the wrong thing and they've thought short term. And the issue there lies with Radrizzani and it lies with Victor Rota because mm-hmm. you you can't you can't ex, um, explain that away. So I feel for them a bit, but I just know even if they stay up, I think it's just the beginning of Leeds' problems, especially if Sam mm-hmm. Allardyce stays. Um, and yeah, that'll be a problem. So we'll see. As a United fan, I couldn't care less if they go down. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> fine if they go down. Um, give us non on your way and, and, and I think you're fine. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'd still, I wouldn't get excited that much if they were to stay up because I think mm-hmm. we're just delaying mm-hmm. the inevitable if they keep going down this Watford route, which they're starting to look like now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and yeah, they need to be careful leads. They really do. Yeah, I think, well, relegation could be a huge disaster for them. But I was saying the very same to an Everton fan this weekend. I was like, if yeah. you don't get relegated this year, it'll happen next year. Yeah, and yeah, I feel yeah. like it's the same with Leeds. Like, <laughs> if you avoid it this year, it's coming for you next year. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Um, but we are going to leave the Premier League there for now. I think that's all the yeah. games we wanted to cover. So mm-hmm. we are going to come back with the Italian section right after this. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. Ciao, come stai, benvenuti. Welcome to the Serie A review. It's time to talk some calcio, and there's been a lot of talking points this weekend. Lots to cover. Um, Milan looking a little bit creaky heading into the <laughs> derby. Inter kicking on. It can only it can only mean one thing. Milan are going to win 3-0 three, three and Inter go out. That's what it means, I think. But Adam, where are we going to start in Serie A? Should we start off with Milan? Because I, I feel this is a fascinating story because you've got both Milan clubs failing to win in Spezia. But um, more importantly, I think this was a massive three points for Spezia as well. I think that gets lost amongst the scenes that we know we're going to kind of have on our kind of walls where it's basically Kurva's meeting Tomori and co who were shitting themselves, as we said offline, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, the backdrop was we didn't know what sides Pioli would play because, you know, going into Champions League match, you were expecting maybe him to rotate it. He didn't really rotate it if you look at the squad lineups and it's very fascinating to see how well kind of Spezia took it to them, especially, you know, set play, Vishnevsky scores from there, and then incredible free kick from Esposito. I mean, that was beautiful. If that was another player, another team, you'd be talking and raving for it for a long time. But yeah, I mean, this Milan squad, again, we just don't know what you're going to get. It's so inconsistent this season. Um, they sh- kind of showed shades of what they can do against Napoli in the Champions League, for example, and the league. You kind of That was the side that we saw last season. But this time, even when you're looking at the centre-back lineup, so you've got Kiar, Tomori, Kalulu, they're all struggling. They're all struggling. Mm-hmm. They're, they're struggling. And I don't know if it's a formation that's really screwing with their heads at the moment. You know, there's certain personnel. Okay, Liao's not there. So they've got Origi on that left-hand side. Doesn't kind of work in the same sense. Uh, they're just a bit lost. They seem just mm-hmm. lost with it. And, you know, they started off quite brightly in this game. Tonali had a shot from distance, hits the post. If that goes in, probably a different game. You're kind of thinking, mm-hmm. right, they could score one more that wraps it up and that's normally enough. But on this occasion, it is just about that grit sometimes in this league. It's all about who's got the better grit and who can grab hold of the ball, second ball sometimes as well. And that's what it takes. And Milan just struggling even with the basics. I mean, just there's a lack of inspiration up top as well. I think Giroud is a bit tired now. I was going to say this. I think I was watching the performance and I'll go to you in a, in a second, Deb, but I was, I was watching the performance and I was thinking... 
because Milan did have a lot of chances. And I thought if they just had a decent striker, they'd be 3 4 nil up here. They've just mm-hmm. not got a striker who's there to put it in the back of the net. Like Giroud is a scorer of beautiful goals. He's a scorer yeah. of big goals, but he Arsenal fans will tell you he never got a lot of goals, right? No, no. He, he did go on long stretches of doing sod all, ask Meza Ozil. I'm pretty sure he still <laughs> ignores his phone call. Like, but I so I did think that Milan if they had that big striker, if they did go out and get the Vlavic rather than Juventus or whatever it was, that they would be in a completely different shape. Like, how do you feel about this team, Dev, and their form at the minute? We need to talk about the centre-backs as well. But Yeah, I, to be honest, you, you talk about the strikers. I mean, you, you can't talk about Milan and not talk about great strikers. If you, if you mm-hmm. look at a team consistently, era after era of having that one mm-hmm. incredible striker mm-hmm. for a long period of time, that's always been a central focus, whether that be Van Basten, Weyer, Shever, they, they would always have that yeah. one and, and sort of rely on it. And in Serie A, you can kind of rely on the one striker because mm-hmm. you just need someone who's physical, who's, you know, confident and can um, has a bit of a range about them. And those two areas of that, which Giroud doesn't have. He doesn't have a range and he's not all that physical, really. You think mm-hmm. he's he's well built, but mm-hmm. does he muscle people off? Does he yeah, breeze yeah. past them? No, he doesn't. So I do think in terms of their squad, there's just a mismatch all over the park. The two centre-backs, I like Theor, like Malik Theor, you could say if he, you know, played a bit more then maybe, you know, that would be yeah. a good shout. But when you look at Kier, he... His best years are behind him, really, with, mm-hmm. with Simon Kier. Yep. Um, Tamori, very good, like up and coming um, centre back, but still kind of up and coming. He still has got a yeah. lot to learn and he needs to lean on Kier for that learning mm-hmm. thing, which Kier doesn't really do. Kier, Kier, I've been surprised about because he's Danish captain and you expect a bit more from mm-hmm. him in order to do that. Or even if he's not captain, he does play a massive role in, in those key moments, but he doesn't really dig Tamori out. If anything, he mm. relies on Tomori mm. and his recovery Failing. to dig mm, him yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so that's so that's a big issue. And then you look at their fullbacks. I mean, Teo Hernandez, you could, uh, he's probably one of the most consistent players over the last few mm-hmm. years, definitely since from what I've seen. Very good left back. But then you get to midfield, and a you never know who's going to do which role except Tonali. You know that Tonali yeah. will be there in the fake PLO role and you know try and mm-hmm. play make as much as he can, but. Is it going to be Salamakas? Is it going to be Diaz? You know, who is it going to be Messias? Is it like who's going to be the one to progress the ball from Tanani to Giroud? There's no mm-hmm. one there to do it. And then mm-hmm. Giroud has to dive in, and then the wingers don't bomb forward. It's like, well, then you get stuck in purgatory yeah. between the second and third line, mm-hmm. which Milan always do. So, so that's why I was shocked against Napoli, where not only did they set up their low block very well but they counterattacked incredibly and they relied yeah. on Liao a lot, but they counterattacked mm-hmm. very impressively against them where it could have been worse for Napoli mm-hmm. really. They had a really good few chances, but then against Spezia, we were saying like you get them against the low block and that's when we get onto Pioli where all great managers have a plan B, C, D for all of these different occasions. And I can only put like Pep and all the great ones have that C, D, sometimes E and F. Mm. Pioli has a plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, he's he just lets the game drift on. And yeah, he yeah, yeah. always replaces like for like. He rarely mm. ever takes off someone and changes formation midway through. Yeah. He's not very vocal with it either. And he's not daring enough to be a Milan manager. Mm. I think every Milan manager that I've seen in my lifetime has, even if they get it wrong, they have to have a bit of just... Mm 
what the hell about it. Give yeah. it a go and see yeah. what else. And the Milan fans, and the and this is where we get onto the curve, that they will always respond to their team trying and that they've yeah. always done that, even yeah. if they lose. But then all of a sudden you make him, you just bore them to tears to the point where they're <laughs> chanting for your head and you're still not making a change. They're chanting yeah, yeah. for your players. Still not even putting your arm around them and back. You're doing nothing and you're just making them more and more angry. And if I was a young player and I'm in the biggest club in Italy for, for me, and if I was in their, like, even if it wasn't at home, I know this one's away, so they got a bit kind of let off with the amount of the curve that were there. Yeah. But if you're made, to, I, I don't disagree that they went and did that. I actually think that was a very good thing to do, to go and actually talk to the fans and hear that. I actually mm. think that was fine. But if you're a young player, what does that do to your confidence when you've got the biggest game of your career coming up in three days' time? It's like the manager needs to take responsibility for that and lead these talks or lead, be the face of it. When when it's all going well, he loves being the face of it. But when yeah. it's all going badly, he steps away. And that is a bad mark for a Milan manager obviously I've uh, we've been quite privileged at Milan to have some of the greatest managers of all time some of the most braggadocious managers of all time as well <laughs> to kind of step up and, and take the lead but you cannot be as passive as Pioli has been and mm. be as naive as he's been mm. and stay in post. I think if it wasn't for the Champions League he'd be gone by now I think we mm. can all accept that so mm. it's a shame because Milan are a great club and you can I don't like sitting by and watching like my two great institutions United and Milan fall <laughs> <laughs> apart but it's it's of their own making and you know they've got some decent backroom staff now hopefully they've got decent ownership like see what happens after that but mm. you know you, you can't have Maldini on CBS Sports and, you know, being revered for the great player that he was to then represent a manager who doesn't seem to buy into that. Mm. And that's, I think, the mm. issue. So I think he has to go. He can't go now because they've always got the biggest <laughs> game ever. But it's it's a shame. I, I, feel, I feel for them. And um, I can see the routes that they need to take to get out of it. None of them include Pioli in the dugout. I think I think it's time it's gone. Well, I, I I think you're absolutely spot on. I think he was only ever meant to be a transition manager, but then he won the Scudetto yeah. and they were like, all oh, right, he's yeah. got to stay now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think they were, I think they have been planning beyond him for a while, I think, because yeah. he was meant to be that guy of like, okay, yeah, the new owners are in. We're putting building blocks in place. Then we'll get yeah. someone who takes us there. I think you're right. He, we, he won't be in the hot no. seat next season, I imagine. Um, but I find it really interesting, the reaction in England, um, and I'm going to go to you, Adam, to to the ultras talking to the players. Now in Italy, that's such a, it's kind of it's fairly common. common. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have the, like the, um, uh, retiros where the chairman send the players off and they can't talk to their family for a month or whatever it is. Yep. They're playing badly. Like De there, are these, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of these, um, cultural differences. Um, but I like that the ultras, are able to get that relationship with the players and be able to call them mm -hmm. over and go, oh, boys, this isn't good enough. Like, yeah, yeah. in England, you shout, you're not fit to wear the shirt, and then that's it, right? Like, do you like this this kind of culture within within Calcio? I, I like it because it's different and it's not something that we're used to in the UK. That We wouldn't see that, like you allude to, we'd probably say, sit down if you think he's shit, basically, <laughs> like, or, like if you want him gone, basically, right? Um, but yeah, you... Normally, you wouldn't get that connection between the fans necessarily these days and that kind of squad. You don't see them very often. The most you get is 
go over there and clap their clap yeah. them off basically yeah, that's yeah, yeah. as best as you're going to get from a uk kind of coach kind of trying to make sure that the rapport is there really um but yeah i i think it's a good thing because you need this kind of realization sometimes especially when you've had a poor run which milan have been and you know that's probably their way of kind of saying look you've got a massive game coming up on tuesday night we really want you to get behind and i appreciate there's probably more diplomatic words were used and what i'm just kind of saying but it's more to get that point and feeling that you know you haven't really worked your socks off we really need a performance now you need to prove even if you lose like dev says it doesn't matter as long as you show that you are milanista you are one of us you are on the pitch being us and i think that's what's been missing in the first leg you didn't see that kind of heart and they followed that by this performance you know, you can understand why they feel the way they do. And mm-hmm. maybe that's what they needed. And I think mm-hmm. I was going to also say that game that um, Milan won the title winning season against the Swallow on the last day of the season, it was all led by Ibrahimovic, if you noticed yeah. that. Mm-hmm. In the dressing room, it's all about Ibra giving those speeches. Purely he's just there in the background, just taking it all in. And he's not really saying much. And I appreciate sometimes you do need those big players to say what needs to be said, but this is that kind of conviction that we're alluding mm-hmm. to is purely hasn't got that. And like they've said, even tactically, which is just not there for the big games, even against Inter, he's been found wanting on more than numerous mm-hmm. occasions. So it's a big game for not just purely, but also Milan. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's see what happens. We do have to always also very quickly say, well done, Spezia. Like, we're not yeah, going to yeah, have too yeah, much time yeah. to, go in, to go into it. But Esposito being an ex-Inter player was quite funny for him to get mm. the second goal. And two players with their first ever Serie A goals as well. Um, mm. Yeah, not a good afternoon for the red and black side of Milan. Um, but we're going to go over to the blue and black side of Milan. Um, and I was lucky enough to go into the stadium on Saturday evening. Um, and I'll tell you what, the first half, the first half, Inter were absolutely atrocious. And I thought... <laughs> This is going to be a long night. Like, we were right behind the goal and it was just Sassuolo running at us for the first half hour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Inter have just... I know it was a bit of a B team. Like, they started Gagliardini, yeah. they started Bellanova, they rested a few players, Bastoni didn't play. Like, so they did rest a little bit. But I still thought the level of performance was way below what you'd expect. And I spent the first 40 minutes slagging off Romelu Lukaku and being like, this guy is an absolute cart horse. And then he just <laughs> scores that goal from nowhere. And it was just the most classic Rom goal um, mm. to get the ball running, bangs it into the top corner. And then from there, I think Inter really, really improved. I think they were the much better side, but they do have issues defending because both of those Sassuolo goals were the freest headers mm. I've seen in a very long time. Mm. Um I think Handanovic in goal made a big difference. Um, he did make some big saves, but I think if Onana's in goal for some of those crosses, they get caught um, yeah. and they get cut out at source. I think Handanovic wasn't quite able to do that. Two very fortu- fortu- fortunate um, own goals, I think. Um, like two <laughs> massive deflections, which definitely helped. Um, but I did like Lukaku's second goal. Um, yes. So, Adam, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think of Inter's performance? Any players that stood out? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say really on this performance because as you allude to, it's kind of a rested squad, but Brozovic again, mm-hmm. just showing what he can do. I mean, he's been incredible the last few games when he has been playing. Um, but yeah, I think that puts him in the right kind of mentality for this match as well, going into the Champions League game. Uh, Bellanova, I did rate him. I think he's been coming really decent. much more dependable yeah. now. And I think maybe it's just that consistency. He, 
didn't get that run at the early part of this season. And now he's starting to get that kind of faith from Inzaghi, definitely, that he can do a job. And I think the thing that is interesting about him, he can take on his man. That That's mm-hmm. the difference. Whereas not necessarily could you say that of Damian, for example, um, Dumfries is a bit hot and cold sometimes. He's just chaos, and, yeah, he's He just, doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you can say that he's doing well. But we've we've alluded to Lukaku as well. Lukaku is just on his day. He can prove like the form that he did under Conte. It, he can be a really world class striker. It's just he's just been too inconsistent, even in mm-hmm. Serie A, especially with his injuries. So yeah, not a lot to kind of shout about in this game, but. Yeah, I think the one story I want to kind of say is um, I'm still liking the look of Fratesi at the moment. I think he could yeah. do a really incredible job for one of the big six in Italy. I, I fancy him at Inter if Inter had the funds, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know how realistic that is, unfortunately. So um, yeah, that, that's probably the summary of this game that, yeah, not a lot to shout about, but lots of goals, right? Mm-hmm. No, I really, I did really enjoy it. And Bellanova, I thought was a really interesting one because he was definitely had a few times where I think the ball slipped under his foot and he lost concentration. And there was a moment where he started screaming at what I think it was Mkhitaryan. I'm not sure. It was one of the more experienced mm. interplayers because he put the ball behind him. And I was like, well, man, you need to like slow your roll a little bit. You're like a young lad in this team. But he did show that fight and the aggression and he did beat his man. He did create a lot. Um, he did hit the shot that ultimately went in. I was quite I was quite impressed by him. Um, but I think Sassuolo really did cause Inter so many problems and to start the game as well as they did. Um, now, Dev, Sassuolo had a few years post-Deserbi where they, and this year we've been a little bit confused by him. They'll be in Serie A. Do you think they can kick on? They've got those shoots of a decent team again, right? It depends how many of them they keep, though, because I think Sassuolo yeah. are one of them teams where there's a few in Serie A where you look at them and you think, even though they've got some standout players, I'll probably keep them, but Sassuolo don't really have a very good track record of that. And I think yeah. I'll be interested, to be honest, I'll be interested to see how many Deserbi would want to take away mm-hmm. from, from where he is now at Brighton and uh, bring with him from Sassuolo. But it's it's kind of, for them, I just don't see which players are going to take the responsibility on their shoulders for them. Okay. So it's, there's a few kind of, to be honest, there's a few down there this season that I don't really know who's going to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And in the game, I think against Inter, it was a bit more into shooting themselves in the foot and not being as clinical as they should have been. Cause really the game should have been beyond doubt at certain points. If they actually mm-hmm. were able to progress the ball properly, can do yeah, the first yeah, and second yeah. thirds compared to what they were so they were very sloppy and hence the scoreline it was a very very sloppy <laughs> scoreline but um I, I wouldn't be too worried about them I think Sassuolo have always been kind of happy to be just to be part of the party I don't I don't yeah. think they have many like goals to take them further forward but I just think the the issue that I've got I, I mean I don't like Inter Milan I, I've, I've made it clear most of the <laughs> I don't like them but yes but I, I did think it could have been a game where even though they've got an older guard where you've got a Damian or you've got a Lukaku or Mkhitaryan somehow he's trudged himself up from the depths but <laughs> there aren't many legs in that team and I think if there was one thing that Sassuolo could have done is to just be a bit more penetrative moving forward mm. instead of just feeding off the scraps going for second balls which is what from the highlights anyway it looks like they were yeah. doing yeah, yeah so yeah. i felt had they just kind of put their youth to good work against you know an organized inter team with the mature players they could add a bit more joy and until they do that they're probably not gonna go much further than a 13th or a 14th place finish mm. but knowing all 
knowing the very few Sassuolo fans that I know, which is exactly naught, I think they'd all be happy with it. Like, I don't think I don't think anyone really cares. So, so yeah, we'll we'll see. But um, I think you know, having lost the Zerbi, you know, losing their manager and then still staying in Serie A, I think that is the goal. I think it always mm. kind of was. Mm. Um, and we would like to see some teams disturb the order, but out of all the teams there, Sassuolo aren't going to be the one to do it. So more power to them, and um, we'll see. But they do need to be a bit more adventurous if they're going to get anything out of a relegation scrap because that's all I think yeah. they're good for, which is which is really sad to say, but that's all I think they are there. Yeah, um, I think you're right because under De Zerbi, they did show ambition. They did yeah. show that attacking threat and they got they got up there. Like eighth is a bloody good finish. <laughs> that's a very good finish. But there are some like, I like Lauriente, but you're right. I don't mm. know how much longer he's going to be there. Fratezi, yep. don't know how much, how much longer he's going to be there. There are a lot of very good players in that squad. But yeah, Mm. they'll probably get picked off, won't they? But Inter got the win, bounced into the derby. We're not going to talk about the derby yet. We're going to wait. We've got to wait. We've got to hold (laughs) the delayed gratification. We're going to wait. And within Serie A, we are now going to go, Adam, you wanted to talk Lecce Lazio on Friday evening. Um, Much more competitive than people expected, I think. Yeah, and I think it kind of highlights how badly Lazio have come off the rails as well. Mm. Because if you remember, they were a few weeks ago, second place, it looked like they were going to cement that. And that would have been an incredible performance in terms of how they kind of see themselves in the league positionings. But yeah, they didn't look their normal selves. I mean, they did take the lead initially through Immobile, but they kind of let Lecce back into this game. And Remy Udin, who's been doing really well for Lecce of late, um, scores just before half time with a quite a tidy finish, to be fair. It's pulled back to him and on the left foot just pegs it into the bottom corner. So, you know, they go into half time at a level pegging. And then within five minutes of the second half, he's put through and again just takes the lead. So Lecce are holding on pretty much for the duration of that second half. Um, and just unlucky, uh, what happens is a f- just a ball into the box, kind of goes, I can't remember if it was Mobile, heads it and Vladimir Falcone saves it and it kind of goes behind him and just goes into the back of the net through um, Milinkovic-Savage. So it's one of those scrappy goals. Everyone goes crazy, but it kind of shows you the levels of like Lazio. They were hanging on and they were trying mm. to get a result here. And as we look at the table now, they're you know between them and Milan, it's like four points difference now. So it's getting a bit more tighter now. I mean, if Milan do get their shit together, as we proverbially call it, um, you know, and do some performances in the league, they might be able to get this spot off Lazio. Um, that'd be harsh on Lazio given the football that they've had under Sari. They've been probably the best defensively apart from Napoli I think it is um and you know Lecce also one of those teams that are quite tight at the back as well so mm. I think th- this is the thing that I want to allude to though is Lecce are in this relegation fight with Spezia with Hellas Verona Hellas Verona had an opportunity to pull themselves out they lost to Torino at home and this week's game Rory is Lecce versus Spezia Big game in that bottom fight now. So they need to win that. I think it's favourable for both Spezia and Lecce in terms of the run-ins, but this is the big game between both. So it depends who's the winner out of this one. It might be a point apiece potentially, Mm -hmm. um, but it is a massive game going into this weekend. So, yeah, let's see what happens. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with that Uden. I thought both those goals were really, really just well-taken goals. Just really, really yeah. well-taken. But I was absolutely gutted for Stafetta as he put <laughs> that penalty wide. I think that could have really, really done Lecce a lot of favours. But we've been talking up Lazio, and I don't know how you felt about them this season, um, Dev, but we were saying that they were comfortably the second-best team in Serie A for a while, but they have properly fallen off. Do you think it's... I've kind of mentioned before that they've got a tiny squad. Do you think that's mm. what it is, or do you think there's other reasons as to why they have just taken this sharp downturn you look at their first team squad and you think that's probably second is probably where they should be because mm-hmm. i think that's probably the second best like well uve you can you can argue but i'd probably say that's the second best squad in the league especially considering mm-hmm. that they actually work well together yeah. like they've all played like a good amount of area i've played together quite a lot and they all kind of work i mean immobile i don't know how how old he is now but he must have been he must have been he feels <laughs> like he's been there forever but i think yeah they've got a very good makings of a good squad but I just think it came down to it's kind of what we've seen from some of the top four teams in in other areas. Like I can compare it to United, where we were so solid and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. dropped off with a couple of injuries, a couple of poor performances. But I look at Lazio now with the games I've got less. I can see them here. I think they've got two games, Udinese and Empoli, where they're not playing for anything really they're, they're quite happy mid-table they might play for a bit of pride and then they've got Cremonese towards like in the middle of them who are pretty much down and gone so I'd be surprised if Lazio fell off further <laughs> I think they've kind of had their wobble and they'll sustain a bit more of a clearer shot for the top um three or four um but it is going to rely on results elsewhere which you know you don't really want to be doing they they should feel a bit like they're chasing their own tail because I think it's mm-hmm. kind of their own fault. You know, they've they've lost some pretty simple points. I mean, losing to the Milan clubs is obviously a bit a bit of a difficult mm-hmm. one. But I remember was it Torino where they lost one yeah. nil? I think it was, mm-hmm. and I I just remember looking at that and I thought that's the kind of game where it can just start to derail you a bit. And I feel like they've lost a lot of confidence ever since then. You don't see the free flowing Lazio that we've kind of liked a lot of the year, and this was the year to upset the hierarchy and really go yeah. for it. And I think they mm. embraced that for the large majority of the year. But um, yeah, I think the, that squad is broken and we've seen it. Mm. Um, not through the conventional injury route, but I just think they've kind of ducked away, maybe got a bit complacent, might be the word that I'd use to describe Lazio. But mm-hmm. now they've got three games, which I expect them to win. I expect them to win all the games until the end of the season. And they have to rely on maybe Inter slipping up and uh, a few others kind of giving them a hand. But I expect them to go on and have a very mm. good end to the season, but um, they have only themselves to blame, in my opinion, yeah. which is which is a bit sad. But there we are. Yeah, I think it's themselves that they've got to look in the mirror and think for next season in a season where it won't be as fun mm. to watch as no. probably this season no, has yeah, been. No. Then they're going to look at this as a real big missed opportunity. I think. Mm. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there's going to be a lot of teams improving in Serie A next year, and it's going to be wide open again. Like yeah, the title race yeah. is always wide open in this league, and <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be wide open next year. So Lazio need to yeah. be able to improve and build on that squad. Um, but before we wrap up Serie A and go to the Champions League and uh, the Cool Kids Club, even cooler kids club, we need to give a bit of love to Salernitana as the machine rolls on. Sosa continues <laughs> with joining the club of managers performing miracles coming mid-season. Now, Adam, he might be my new favourite manager in the Yeah, I absolutely love what's happening down there. They yeah. score in the last minute. Kandreva only Kandreva. scores back. He's never scored a tackle. <laughs> he only scores screamers. And he gets the win against Atalanta. Does that end Atalanta's European hopes before we talk about Salernitana? 
I, I think this is the thing with Atalanta. You just don't know which side, but I think that is pretty much game set and match now because although they've, you know, they're only a point behind Roma, I expect mm-hmm. Roma to get the results. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know what to make of this Atalanta squad, unfortunately, with Gasparini. They kind of lost their way of late um, and it doesn't feel like they're getting into a run of form now. So, yeah, unfortunately, it does feel like that. But yeah, kudos to Salsa. Didn't think you could do it after the. I back honestly drop thought off. he'd be sacked by now. I honestly. know, <laughs> I know. Well, David Nicola was there what second time this season. You thought maybe a third time, but no, <laughs> not this time. Um, so yeah, Salinatana, he's got the best out of this group of players. I mean, that's the incredible bit. And uh, Suleiman Di, the incredible form that he's been just demonstrating. But yeah, like you say, it's the old heads, like, you know, Fazio, for example, Kandreva as well. And obviously our favourite goalkeeper, Guillermo Okoa. I mean, just, that guy, just bring back the years. Bring he back gives the years. them so much solidity, honestly. It felt like, and, and I know Atalanta, are kind of, they're missing Hoyland, right? Obviously, yeah. They're missing Hoyland, and you could see that big hole. Like Zapata mm. should have scored. I do not know how Zapata didn't score in this game. Muriel had some like speculative shots, and I was like, I kind of had to remind myself, like talking about how long Immobile has been there. How long have Zapata and Muriel been the <laughs> yeah. attackers for Atalanta? Yeah. It feels like decades now. I think like Hoyland was obviously maybe that play that came in, replaced them, and gave a bit of fresh air. But Zapata, I don't know how he didn't score. Um, but yeah, Salernitana, just an absolutely classic Salernitana performance. <laughs> Scoring in the 97th minute. They only seem to score in, in additional time. But just an incredible performance. Um, do you? Uh, what are your feelings on Salernitana, Dev? We've got a lot of love from <laughs> on this pod, just for the chaos that they cause. Yeah, but like... I I think it might have been a tweet I saw from you guys actually about Salernitana, but I looked at their squad and I actually recognised a lot of their players. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of the um, the Serie A teams like at that lower end of the table. Like you show me Empoli, I have no clue what they look. <laughs> but then, but then you see these guys, and you think Ochoa, right? That's the guy who only shows up for World Cups, so yeah, he's not yeah, going to do anything yeah. for for anything else. And then I remember True Stekong, he was at Watford mm-hmm. just because he he was in a YouTube video with Chris MD, so I know I know who he is purely because of that. And then. And, um just looking at the squad now, like there's a few in there that I recognise. I'm Tony Valeno, I know was that was in um the uh the Dutch setup for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I think he's gone out of it now. Piatek and Bonazoli. The only reason mm-hmm. I know Bonazoli is because of FM, but like he's yeah. he was actually a decent player. He was me. great on FM so, as well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very, very good. But like there's a lot of character i think mm. in that squad if i was to look at it from because this is me looking at from the outside looking in i haven't followed him nearly as much as i maybe i should have but from the outside looking in that is quite a characterful squad mm. and it takes a bit mm. of a character to pull it all together and if there's anything that palo Sousa is he is a character <laughs> i don't yeah, think yes, he's a great he Yes, I don't think he's is, a great yeah. manager. I don't think he's a great coach. There's nothing to suggest that he is a top coach. You just have to watch the QPR documentary when he was there to see what kind of coach he was. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that was long ago, he still has that same kind of remnants there. But they all they look like a pretty weird, like ragtag like bunch yeah. of misfits in that squad, but mm. I feel like that's working for them. If I, yeah, if that's I'm why right, we love like, them. It just yeah, shouldn't be like, working, but it's really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, they should be relegated, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably yeah. with this squad. But, <laughs> but, it, but it is quite nice to see. I think you do get certain teams who always have a bit of a, like a clear group of players that are just constantly mm. at a certain level. Whereas mm. these guys, you do have someone capable of a good performance. And that's just seen that unbeaten in four, which is more than any team in the lower, in the lower half of the league, which is, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I think you have to go to Monza in ninth before mm-hmm. you match that. So that is very impressive. And I have to say like, fair play to them. I only know them because of 
I think maybe Katuso was there at some point. He was good, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that's the only reason I'd, I've heard of them. But to hear that they're still going strong, because a lot of teams back then aren't. Uh, good for yes. them, but yeah. Other than that, I have nothing else to give. So fair <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh, that's honestly completely understandable. It's <laughs> yeah, only that we yeah, cover yeah. set that we have any opinion on them, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I, did, I did get the random memory this weekend as well when I saw that they won. of just, And it just made me laugh again every time I think about it. When last year... They lost 5-0 at home on the last <laughs> yeah. game of the season when they needed to stay up. But the other team lost, and the players were then dancing on the pitch celebrating. Wow. I was like, yes, absolute balls you've got to dance <laughs> losing five. Absolutely bit, love it. bit like love. those Barcelona plays at Espanol, oh. right? I honestly do not blame those Espanol fans at all. I'd have been first one there. Um, so, guys, we are going to leave Serie A there because we need to head to Europe. But first... We need to have a quick break. We will see you after this. Hi, I'm David Wheeler, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. And here we are. It is time for the European football preview. And we're starting, of course, with the Champions League. I got my customary voice note um, from Tommy this morning. It's unfortunately not fit for air this time. But he just told me he's not slept in about three days with the nerves (laughs) coming into this game. I think watching the first leg, obviously, I didn't get to talk about it. Just unbelievable. What the hell happened there? Everyone was in shock. Um, but somehow knowing Inter and knowing Pats at Inter, being 2-0 up makes it scarier. <laughs> it does yeah. make it scarier because you think when this goes wrong, it's going to be absolutely catastrophic. But of course, we need to start talking about the Milan derby. Dev, I'm gonna, we're going to start with AC Milan. How do you feel headed into this game? I know the form hasn't been great. Do you think that um, speech from the Ultras can kick them into gear? Do you think there'll be a wake-up call? Mm. I think there's going to be a touch of we've got nothing to lose Mm. in this game. There's been quite a few instances with these players because a few of them have been there a while where they kind of like the underdog feel. I think no no one gave them a prayer against Napoli. No one gave them a prayer. And I I thought they were going to get absolutely spat on by them. But then they ended up putting a really good account of themselves and just Mm. showing a bit of fight and a bit of dog in them. And... This time they're going to need to score. That's the only thing I think is is problematic is the fact that Liao is going to play at about 70% when you need him firing on all cylinders. And he's a very inconsistent player. Like He's a very good one on his day, but went missing in the World Cup. He goes missing occasionally. And this is an instance where he cannot go missing, but I think he might. Um, through real no vote of his own in, in, this, um, in this case. But... Uh, it's a derby and I want to say, you know, you never know with a derby. And if Milan get that first goal, you really don't don't know what could happen. That's where you rely mm-hmm. on the old heads of Milan to really guide them through and, and keep them calm. But can Darmian do that? Can Mkhitaryan do that? Can De Vries, can Lukaku? I don't back them. If I, if I was an Inter fan and then Milan scored maybe in the first 20 minutes, I'd back Milan to go and win mm-hmm. and not inter to go and steer the course so it's going to be a difficult one i just think that it can go really one of both ways either they get battered or they they batter them if there's going to be no in between with this game and it's going to be a very very cool watch because we all know what happened in the second leg of a big part of the semi of um, the quarterfinals back then when they last faced each other in the champions league and unless someone throws a flare this time it's going to go to the wire and we'll have to see see what happens so you know the heart. My heart wants to say that Milan can do it, 
but my heart's got me in trouble plenty of times <laughs> when it comes to football. So <laughs> I'll have to go. I have to go in my head, and I think, unfortunately, I think Inter do have enough about them to kind of keep them mm. out and frustrate them and mm. frustrate Pioli to make bad decisions, which I think he's yeah, very yeah. capable of doing. Um, and without Liao firing, I think that's going to be the nail in their coffin. If Inter get a goal, that's it. There's no way mm. Milan is scoring four mm. ever. Um, so yeah, it's going to be difficult, but uh, I I have hope. It's the hope yeah. that well, you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to have yeah, hope. That's have why hope. we're here, Dev. That's yes, why we're here. You have, have to have hope. hope. <laughs> yeah, I have hope. But e- whoever wins, they're not going to win the actual final, are they? So both of them just enjoy their little time in the sun because it won't last long. You've jinxed I... it now. I was in the kebab shop the other night and there was loads of Inter fans when we were chatting, and one of them was just like, one nil in the final, Bastoni in the 87th minute from a corner. And we frustrate the hell out of Man City for 90 minutes. I was like, you know what? I'll take that right now. And I can almost, <laughs> I can never. almost see it. It is going to be an incredibly, incredibly nervous evening in the San Siro yeah. tomorrow. I am mm. blessed enough to have a ticket. I submitted my name to my friend yesterday. So my name is on the ticket. It's already, but I already, and I like, I like Inter, but I wouldn't call myself like a, a huge supporter, mm. if you know what I mean. And I'm nervous. And I know you're right. If Milan get the first goal, yes. that stadium is going to mm. shit its pants. Yes. And I've seen yeah. Inter in knockout games in the Champions League in plenty of, plenty of occasions. When that stadium gets nervous, that team gets very, <laughs> yeah. very nervous. And they yeah, feed off yeah, each yeah. other. It's the same at the Emirates when it happens. I think yeah. it's the same at a lot of stadiums. But when they, when they feel the nerves in the crowd, they really, really shrink. So I think it's important for Inter to get that first goal. But what one of the things that I think was the difference in the first leg was the fact that Inter did have those experienced players. The fact that, like, and we said it before the game, Inzaghi started Dzeko and Mkhitaryan and dropped... Mm-hmm. Um, he dropped Lautaro and was it, it wasn't Barella, was it? It's it was one Lukaku of the younger... he drops. Yeah, Lukaku, Lukaku sorry. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that, that um, experience... Ultimately, those those were two players that absolutely ran the game against Mil- uh, against Milan, Mkhitaryan and Dzeko. So I think having that like that experience made the difference. So I think Inter do have the ability to do it. They just need to be, go into it with a super calm head and just like, right, we go again. Let's do what we did last time. I honestly couldn't believe what I was seeing when I was watching that game. I think we were all in shock. Like I was in a house full of Inter fans and we were all just stood in shock. Like, wait, is this actually happening? This has to be a prank. Like, what is going on? But... It should be an incredible game. I do expect goals. I don't think it's going to be a yeah, nil-nil. Yeah. I think there are going to be yeah. goals. I think, as you said, Milan have got nothing to lose. And Pioli's kind of playing for his job at this point. So maybe he'll, yeah, make, yeah. maybe he'll make some brave decisions. Adam, how do you see this one going? Um, am I going to be heading to Istanbul in a couple of weeks' time? What do you think? I, I don't know which way to call it, to be fair. <laughs> um, I totally expect Milan to go off from the very first kick, you know, just try and get an early goal. Because you get an early goal, like you say, that crowd starts to put a bit of tension, pressure on the squad to like try and scrape it and just get a goal the other side. And if the players don't or lose the composure, that's where it's going to be really telling. And that's going to feed into Milan's hands. Um, mm. But I suspect, based on the experience of the players, the way that Inter have got form at the moment and... Barella on this form at the moment, he's just incredible. He's just the kind of player that we're talking about, you know, Tonali. You need someone to pass it on. Well, if Barella was there for Milan, that's all they needed. That's all they need. Someone that can just take the ball to the other side of pitch. He'll do all of your running as well. 
And Bastoni's, as you alluded to, has been in incredible shape right now. Echerbi has been incredible at the back as well. And Onana is going to be in this game as well. So I think he's going to be really critical. I mean, we've seen those performances where they've scraped it against the likes of Porto, Barcelona, for example. Maybe not deserving of those games mm. in particular, but they scraped it. And I expect that's what's going to happen. It could be as simple as Milan score one goal and they just shit house for one nil defeat yeah. at home, and yeah. you know, and hope the crowd get behind them. So, yeah, I, I'm just fascinated. I'm I cannot I'm, wait on this game really. I'm, cannot tell you how excited I am to go to the stadium. Honestly, <laughs> like yeah. literally on Saturday, I was like, I've never looked forward to a Tuesday more in my life. I'm just like, mm. can I just go to the stadium? Now, this is the <laughs> biggest game I would have ever attended. Like without yeah. a doubt, it's the biggest game I've been to. And I'm just super, super, super excited. Hopefully, sorry, Dev, but hopefully I'm driving into Duomo, sat out the back of a boot by about 11 o'clock tomorrow night. Because <laughs> I think that's <laughs> what might be happening if Inter get there. Tommy already kind of semi has plans, so we'll see what happens. But <laughs> on the other side of the bracket, um, we have what is the most terrifying, what was the most terrifyingly good performance of football between Man City and, and Real Madrid. And this time, Adam, you're going to be in the stadium. Oh, um what yeah. do you expect from this game? How do you see this one going? Do City make it? I'm expecting this to be a bonkers match. Mm. And the kind of rationale is probably this is what they bought Haaland for, right? They mm. wanted him to be on the end of opportunities, chances. Remember the last game where they had loads of chances, but they couldn't get in the back of the net. This is the game that they wanted him for. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he kind of copes with the expected abuse from the centre-backs. I mean, it'll be interesting. Obviously, he had a good tussle with Rudiger in the first leg. That was leg. great. I absolutely That was so that, fascinating absolutely. to see how they played. And you saw the cheeky smile from Haaland as well when he gave it mm -hmm. to Rudiger as well. So that's going to be fascinating. But just the way that I feel like Real Madrid felt that was more of a defeat for them in the first mm. leg. You could see when they came off the pitch that they weren't happy. They felt like they could have got a win in this match and that would have been enough for them. I think that gives them a mental edge. Whereas now they have to go out and get a result. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on them. But they're used to that pressure. That's the funny thing about it. And, you know... They were born in it. They were shaped This is the thing. Yeah. If, <laughs> if Ruben Diaz doesn't slide across before Benzema's at the back post to tap it in, mm -hmm. that's the kind of moments we're talking about in this match. This isn't about, like, literally who can outwit the other. This is all about little moments because it's all about the players having the right mentality for this match. I'm just hoping, personally, it doesn't go to penalties because that mm -hmm. means it's a long journey back home for me. Uh, especially based in Bucks, like that is a hell of a trek <laughs> for Manchester, and I've got work the next day. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot wait. That's another game that, when it comes to like these kind of semi-finals, there's always one game where you're like mm, not so keen, but we kind of expect that what team to go through. This one, it, it could be either side. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're saying with Milan and AC Milan, Real Madrid and Man City, you can't call it. Yeah. It's so yeah. tight, so tight. Well, I think it's interesting that Haaland was kind of anonymous in the first game. I don't mm. feel like he really yeah, showed up at no. all. And I think Real, a lot of Real Madrid fans would be like, okay, right, we got, we survived mm. one. Now that's like, that's out of the way. Let's focus on the next one. Um, Dev, how do you see this one going? Do you think Haaland all back at home, he's going to have a say in it, right? There's no way he doesn't have a say in 180 minutes. Yeah, I think this is the year that Man City really go and do something mm. special. I yeah. think, yeah. I, I know that's the thing. I mean, I know that they're technically a city rival. I never grew up thinking City were a rival to United because I was always they were there and we were there, and then they got mm. money and they were just the rich kids down the block who got fortunate and did it well. But I've I've never seen 
an institution be run so well in all my life. And I look back at a lot of football history. I don't think anyone's ever done it as well as they have. Mm. And this is a city side, which, you know, we can all do these like for like comparisons against certain squads and this, but this is probably the best Premier League team that has mm. ever been. I don't think you can look at one season of a uh, Arsenal's Invincible or United away. You can look at City over four years and they just keep yeah. getting better. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. they have the best um, manager in the world. They are the best team in the world. They're playing against the biggest team in the world. And there's mm. all that's, that's why you can never, you can never rule Real Madrid out. Cause I would have said last mm. season when that same thing happened and then Madrid came back and scored two goals in the last minute with Rodrigo scoring a header. Like you'd all think that that's the last thing that could happen, but it, it hurts to say it because, well, it doesn't really, because I wasn't alive to see the treble from, from United, but I think City this year are going to do something that's going to blow hours out the water because they're not just going to, I feel like when United did it, it was based on magic. No one expected mm-hmm. us to do it. We're literally talking about a team where we expect them to win a treble. <laughs> And that yeah, has yeah. never happened before. Like Liverpool, the quad, we were laughing and joking. They were never going to do yeah. it. Us yeah, yeah. and the cup quad, never going to do it. <laughs> but now now with these lot, you just think this is the best team in the world and the best Premier League team that I've ever seen. And it, it mm. kills me to say it because it's, it's not my team, not for the fact mm-hmm. that it's City, but it's just, yeah, they're so good. And a part of me is really kind of just in awe of them a little bit. Mm. I am in awe of Manchester City and what they do because they are, I know they spend a lot of money, but so do we. They spend it much better than we do and they just do it all well. And I think it said a lot, specifically with the game coming up, it said a lot in the first game where the papers and everyone really talked up two players in that game, De Bruyne for Manchester City and Camavinga for Real Madrid. Mm. So Mm. you're talking up a left back who's not a left back. He's a centre-back, can't play left back because of their injuries. And I think Nacho came on and played mm-hmm. there for the last for the last few minutes. And then you're there talking about the cam of a team who haven't had a left back all year. Mm. And it it's just they had Manuel Akanji playing as a left wing back where he was barely a centre back, really, for Gladbach. Yeah. And he's just gone and and done done a madness all season. So I it's dejecting to say because I really wanted to see a Milan Real Madrid final. Mm-hmm. That was my my hope because mm. that is a really old school it's a historic one yeah. isn't it it's a historic that's a one, big yeah. final and man city inter which is probably what it's going to be a bit <laughs> shit, isn't it so it's a bit of a dead final but like i do think um man city have got something special in them and i think ancelotti's kind of a cat that's used up his last lives because one thing guardiola does is he learns very very yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and this is the first time that he's able to learn while having a plan c plan d mm-hmm. he didn't have that in the last in the season before where we all thought if he had a harland he could change yeah. his game plan they rested all their players this weekend and got a massive win and they're going to be fully fit and rested to go for this game yeah. and at home that's the annoying thing it's at home if it was away yeah if it was, if it was the other way if <laughs> yeah. it was the other way i would i'd say it's a big difference but Madrid are special. Look, Madrid are just, they are the, you think of football, you think of certain clubs and Real Madrid Mm -hmm. are one of those clubs. You don't think of City, you you think of Real Madrid and they are just an incredible club. But 
it's not it's just not going to happen for them i'm i'm so convinced that city yeah. are going to win the treble i've just resigned myself to yeah. knowing that we're going to be the ones that give it to them with the fa cup and that is unfortunately how it's going to go but fair play i'm just going to cong- well done city it's the one thing that's making me feel better about arsenal it's like well we're up against that team we can't yeah, feel exactly, that yeah. too bad about it but honestly dev you've just blown my mind and made me feel incredibly old when you said you weren't alive for the united 99 yeah. treble win i now yeah. Well, I, re- yeah. I was alive. I was alive. Okay. I was two. I was two. Yes. Oh, okay. I remember it. <laughs> that's a little bit better. That's fine. That's a little bit better. Okay. So before we go, we do need to very quickly discuss, very, very quickly discuss the Cool Kids Club, where the Europa League <laughs> kicks off in the semi-finals. We currently have Juventus against Sevilla with a last, last, last minute equalizer keeping themselves in the tie. And Roma 1-0 up against Leifkusen. Um, I'm just going to very quickly take your predictions. Adam, who makes the final here? I am going to say Roma and Sevilla. Oh, Dev? Yeah, Roma and Sevilla. I'm going to go Roma-Juve because I want to see Mourinho against Juventus. I need to see it in the cup <laughs> final. The world needs it. And then in the even cooler kids club over in the conference league we have west ham 2-1 up against alkmaar and fiorentina 2-1 down to basel at home absolutely shit in the bed there dev i'm going to go to you first who do you see in the final west ham and fiorentina adam agree west ham and fiorentina it's a full house. It is a full house. West Ham Fiorentina, I think, is going to be the final. Dev, we promised, and we have just enough time. You have released a book called The Conquerors. Yeah. Tell us all about it, where we can get it, and where our viewers can find it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah well, I've got one here, just in case no one knows. Look, it's it beautiful. Look at the like eyebrow, beautiful. man. You've got the eyebrow on the yeah. cover. You can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, I made sure the editor's got that. <laughs> got that <in> there <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was really cool. This is my first uh, published work. So I've done one self-published before on Amazon, but this one is the first time a publisher thought I had a good idea and run with it. But <laughs> I remember when you're a kid, you always look at clubs and you're just a bit in awe of them. And I remember... Man United playing against this Milan team. I think it might have been 2003-04 where Mm. Van Nistelrooy himself has come out and said, what was the toughest game you played against? And he said, God, when Milan had Gattuso, Maldini, Cafu, Stan and Nesta, (laughs) it was impossible. And then I I just remember that team and I always thought that was the goal. That was the golden team for me um, growing up. So, yeah, it was. And it was just a shock that no one's written about them before. And Mm. even more so that... There were two preceding eras before that where you had yeah. the Immortals under Saki, where yeah. obviously Saki wrote about it himself because that's what very Saki did <laughs> to do. Um, and then you've got the Invincibles under Capello, um, more yeah. successful than Arsenal's Invincibles, mm-hmm. which most people don't. They had 58 games unbeaten. Most people don't remember that. But then I just thought no one's talking about this squad. And it's probably because it wasn't a sustained period of success. It was very much a highs and lows, but they did come out on top. So the Conquerors is a my way of adding to that list of big Mm -hmm. eras and giving them a name of their own, but also just the way it all worked out to lose to Liverpool in that famous Istanbul final, which is great timing because now they're in a semi-final to go to Istanbul. It'd be great <laughs> if they made it. Um, but yeah, to lose that game, go through Calciopoli, and then mm-hmm. you have the World Cup, mm-hmm. kind of a really weird, horrible summer like, yeah. with the World Cup and Calciopoli. But then to lose all your best players, losing Sheva, losing, losing pretty much everyone, mm-hmm. only to then go and play Liverpool again 
with a worse team wearing the exact same kit, but this time in the Greek city of Athens where yeah. everyone rises from the ruins and win. And then that same year, do the exact same thing in the Club World Cup and become world champions when mm. no one thought you mm. would. It's just one of the best stories I've I've ever come across. Mm. So yeah, it's available on uh, Amazon and I'm just very proud to have been the one to to be the first one to talk about it because I didn't think I thought I'd gotten there too late but apparently mm. I didn't so definitely nice. check it out if you haven't already but uh but yeah I'm proud of it so hopefully you guys will enjoy it as Damn well right. beautiful well Dev thanks for coming on to the show we'll definitely be inviting you on again um yeah yeah been absolutely great thanks for coming on man um so viewers listeners Everybody, it's time to go. It's time for me to have my tea. So, guys, we are going to say goodbye. <laughs> and we will see you on Friday with our next episode. As always, hit the like and subscribe button down here somewhere. You can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. Almost got it wrong again. It's been three years. On Instagram <laughs> at Anglo Italian Pod. You can find us on LinkedIn, YouTube, everything. We will see you next week. Say bye, guys. Ciao, ciao. See you Podcast Network.